If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd ask you to find Acts chapter number 2. A couple of you have uh, made the powerful observation that Acts 2 is not Genesis 1. Um, that's true. I can't argue with that. Um, but I will say this. We'll begin our, our long journey through Genesis next week. As has uh, sort of become a, a lightly held custom, not a lawfully held custom, a lightly held custom, we generally like to reserve this first Sunday of every year for a bit of vision casting for the year. But I'm going to be bold today and say I want to, I want to cast some vision for some years, not for the year only, but some years. And it will require um, a little bit of audience participation later on. So uh, maybe don't get too comfortable. Um, maybe uh, perhaps uh, don't get too settled in your seat. Now, that being said, let me share a bit from the book of Acts chapter 2 today. You guys know this story. You know it well. It's most, most likely all of you know it. I've, uh, I've often heard it said that um, the Gospels tell us what Jesus did in his earthly ministry, and then Acts tells us how he continued his earthly ministry through his people, particularly the Acts of the Apostles in establishing the church and then seeing to her early years of maintenance and growth. And she needed a lot of maintenance. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read First and Second Corinthians. She needed a lot of maintenance. She needed a lot of, of, of teaching and care. And, uh, and the story goes like this. Jesus, uh, uh, resurrects from the dead, is seen by many witnesses, and ascends back to heaven. And it was so plain and so amazing. He says, listen, I'll come back the same way. In other words, you won't miss it. And then um, he had given some instruction. He says, listen, I want you to go back, and I want you to wait until power comes. And we open uh, the second chapter, chapter of Acts, and it tells us on the day of Pentecost. That just means during the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after the Passover. So uh, maybe, maybe some people have argued uh, maybe as many as 40, 41 days since Jesus ascended. Some have argued maybe 35, there's all these arguments. I'm going to tell you what, he went to heaven and he promised power would come and 50 days after, uh, after, after a Passover, the Holy Ghost comes down on his people. And it's, and it's so amazing, it's so amazing is this work of the Holy Spirit that people are able to understand other languages uh, and hear the gospel clearly, though it's not being spoken in their native tongue. It's so amazing that it, it really causes a radical change in people's behavior, so much so that when he initially comes, the change is so obvious that the apostles are accused of being drunk. And one of the funniest passages in the entire Bible that just shows you how real the Bible is, one of the apostles just goes, no, man, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And he's basically saying, if it was nighttime, I could see where you get there from. It's too early to be drinking. They had to tell people that their behavior was altered because there was a, another person now working on their behavior. And I would maintain that this is the common expectation of Christian life from that moment to this. That when we become surrendered to God, when the Holy Spirit enters us, when the Holy Spirit saves and seals us into the, 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 the beloved one, into Christ... 
it should be behavior altering. And behavior altering to the point that sometimes we might even be surprised ourselves at our behavior. And sometimes it's not only in what we don't do, like I was so angry a few months ago that in my flesh I literally wanted to fight. And I was very surprised at how I didn't fight. And I know that that restraint was not some testimony to my agedness, my wisdom, or my self-control. I know I had been transported out of, my, out of my own control, and God himself was helping me. And sometimes it's by what you do do, and sometimes you could be surprised by what you might do when the Holy Ghost is helping you do it. You might say, I don't know how I could ever share the gospel with so-and-so. And then the next thing you know, you're sharing the gospel with so-and-so. Uh, just, just this past Friday, many of you attended my, my mother's memorial service. And some people said to me, I don't know how you did it. It's very easy. The Holy Ghost helped me. In my flesh, I was not willing nor able to do such a thing. But the Spirit makes us both willing and able. Well, that's what happened to the church. The Holy Ghost came on them, and there became a series of life-altering stop-doings and life-altering go-doings. And anything that needed to be kept doing was redeemed, and they kept doing it, except now with a different sort of joy within them. I would often tell people that if you want to be theologically amazed Look at how powerful the resurrection and the Holy Spirit are in the testimony of the early church. She was willing to die than to deny the resurrection or forsake the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Would that East Rock Community Church would come to such a place that we would rather die than forsake our testimony or give over the presence of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, Picking up where this story has naturally taken us, I think what we're going to see is what becomes the normal life in new life. What becomes the normal life in new life. And we're going to look through the lens of the church's past to see a vision for our future. And I hope you've already picked up a hint. What becomes the normal life if you have new life? What becomes the normal life? Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? God, as we look into your word and as we attempt to cast some vision for our future here today, would you indeed give us that sort of help where this is received by the help of the Holy Ghost, that this is received in the beloved, that we see this word is a word not just from you, but to us, not just to them back then, 
but to us here right now. Might we receive the implanted word, which is able to lead to our salvation and our sanctification. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. First and right to the point is this. The key to growing in the new life God gives us in Christ was devoted to the life of Christ, was being devoted, it should say, was being devoted. How did these folks, what did they do with this new life God had given them? They devoted this life to God. They were devoted in this life from God. I really wanted to make this a paragraph point because all these prepositions communicate some little bit more detail. They were devoted in this life from God. They were devoted in life to God. So it comes from him. So what do they do? They devote themselves to paying attention to what's been given them, new life. How do you see that here? The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms, they devoted themselves. I think a sermon series could be done on each one of these with absolutely no problem. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is at the core of the apostles' teaching? Unfolding how every clause in the Bible points us to the Messiah how it is a redemptive history. It actually happened in history, but what God was doing in our history was meant to buy us back. How everything relates to the plan and will of sovereign God. And they were devoted to that. They were devoted in coming into an understanding of, understanding of it, a celebration of it, a deployment, an application of the teachings of Scripture so that they would have a Godward life, a God-directed life, a Godward mentality, a Godward value and ethics system, a Godward philosophy. They wanted the Word of God to point them to the task of living this new life. I would also say the scripture is clear that they were devoted also to the fellowship. Now, I love this. This is actually one of my favorite Greek words. When you say it out loud in English, phonetics, it sounds like this koinonia. It's such a cool word. In kind of our rural American Christian life, we've taken fellowship to mean let's get together and eat something. But what it literally means is the shared life, and it means it in all of its fullness. First, they were sharing the life, capital T, capital L. They were sharing the life of Christ. I I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that even among the most favorite people of mine in this room, if we did not have Christ between us, we wouldn't have much between us. But because we have Christ between us, He has so drawn us together that you have become some of my favorite humans on the earth. What a work of God. That's the work of God in the church. You share the life of Christ, but then you share life in Christ, life from Christ, life with Christ, and life with one another because of Christ. You see how powerful that is? In other words, this fellowship, though I do like casseroles and chicken, somebody say amen. Amen. I love casseroles and chicken. If we reduce koinonia down to that, it is a sad state of existence for the people of God. This is meant to build a new humanity that lives in new communities that share a new reality because of a common eternal ancestry. Now, uh, I could probably 
pick on somebody, and I probably will. Why not? I, I very seriously doubt Casey and Adams and I would ever become friends if it weren't for Jesus. And now I count him as one of my best friends. And as different as we are, Shannon Allen and I would have been friends. We were both raised on Embaca farms. We had a, a lot of upbringing in common. But I didn't know him because of our upbringing. I know him because Christ flung us together. On and on and on. I could go on and on. Me and Michael have been friends from some distance and close up at times since we were kids. We we're the same age. We went to some of the same schools. But Christ has made us very, very close. On and on and on. Steve Riley and I have nothing in common. But because of Jesus, he's one of the dearest souls to my heart. On and on and on and on. My wife probably blames God for sending her to me. Fellowship is something that should be explored in its depth. Not only do we share Christ in fellowship, we share life because of this fellowship. And our joys should be one another's joys. If one of your brothers or sisters in Christ gets a promotion, you should feel like you just got one too. If they get a raise, you should thank God, praise God, remind them about tithing, and be very joyful. It's real. Likewise, if someone has a sorrow, it should be our sorrow. I love books. I love movies. Last night, I, I like to put on a very familiar movie or a very familiar s album to go to sleep. I'm one of those guys that helps my mind shut down. And so last night, I put on a very familiar movie called Cinderella Man. And I fell asleep at the part where his wife was saying, it was right, right at the beginning, I was tired. His wife was saying she didn't like it when he fought. He had to fight. It was his livelihood. She says, he says, you should come see me. She said, I don't want to come see you. Every time you get hit, I feel like I get hit. And I said, wow, thank you, God. Sermon illustration. <laughs> we should feel like that in this shared life. If you get hit, I get hit. Not, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Like, no, that happened to me. I can honestly say many of you made me feel like the past week's difficulties and mornings happened to you. That's koinonia. Amen? There's also here breaking of bread. Now, there's all kinds of debate about this. In the minimum, it means the Lord's Supper. Somebody say amen. But it very likely also means sharing actual meals. And I think every time people pick one side or the other, God giggles and goes, what a dummy. I think most specifically it does mean the Lord's Supper, but I think it can include the meals of fellowship that should carry us through some of the best conversations we'll ever have in our lives. And also, the prayers. The prayers. I would contend this means systematic praying. In other words, like the prayers isn't you pray whenever you get time. It's like we should be praying people. Pray without ceasing. Amen. And they were together in this. This new life was devoted to the life of Christ. And they shared this life together. Seeing the time, though I have much more to say, 
let us move on. Secondly, what we see in this passage is the power and presence of God were the true presence to the people. Yes, when you hear those words, presence and presence, in the way I cannot talk real English, they sound the same, but you can appreciate their difference by sight. The power and presence of God were the real gift of God to the people of God. Amen. Whatever we may be lacking, whatever we may have in abundance here at East Rock Community Church, if anything we have or lack becomes better than him who we have, then we are a people of great lack. We should be able to abound and still know God's the best. We should be able to abase and still know God is best. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? I have learned, brothers and sisters, did you see Paul says this is a process, amen? I have learned that whether in want or in plenty, that God is enough for me. That should be our testimony, brothers and sisters. We should learn this from the early church. The Bible tells us that all came upon every soul. You know what was really amazing? People were running around treasuring God and caring for one another, and that blew everybody's mind. A lot of people say, yeah, all because of the signs and wonders. No, it was because of the signs and the wonders. It was said it's because of the signs and the wonders. What it says, first, all came on the soul, and many signs and wonders were done. All was already there. Where was the all from? the shared life of Christ. And as they were sharing the life and Christ was establishing the church, indeed, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, I'm not picking on Pentecostal people inordinately, but every once in a while, a meme gets it right. And I recently saw a meme. It was classic. He said this. He said, you keep worrying about the Holy Ghost helping you speak in tongues when his primary objective is to get you to shut yours. I went. Because on the list of the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is self-control. Am I saying the Holy Ghost never has somebody speak in tongues? No, but I am telling you I know his primary work is to get you to control that one you got. Do you see why this shifted life was really amazing? Suddenly people who weren't prayerful were praying all the time. Suddenly people who were getting their cues from life from every direction were getting their cues from life from God's word. Suddenly people who were selfish and grabby, who were rich and hoarded and who were poor and, and, and had bitterness, they suddenly said, let's work on life together. Suddenly people lived in shame and fear of judgment because of the guilt of sin were set free to enjoy God like they never had before. <laughs> so what happens out of that sort of life all comes on the people. The power and presence of God was the true present. And then if you added dynamic works or took them away, they paled in comparison to the person of God. Will God ever do big miracles in our midst? Will we see the lame healed, the deaf hear, the dumb speak? Will we see 
diseases cured? I don't know. I would not count God out, and I dare not tell him what he won't do. But here's what I know. It would blow your mind to live in a community of people focused on Christ. Thirdly, we see in the early church this wonderful example, whether provisions from God or the life of God, with one heart, believers shared one mission together. If you have your Bibles open, and I pray you still do, look back at verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Is the point here that they developed some sort of pre-Marxian social communism? No. Is that there was no restrictions on their willingness to help one another, to serve one another, to care for one another? Was there something that said one person could not have more than another? No, it was a, it was a, it was a certainty that if you had more, it was meant to help one another. And that's more of whatever. You know, you know, uh, you know somebody who, who, who really blesses me all the time now? This is really wild. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy. His name is YouTube. Y'all heard of this guy? YouTube. Uh, a lot of people were visiting their house this week. And, and as you imagine, when, when you have a lot of people around, stuff happens. Well, somehow, uh, our, our brand new door that Clay just installed for us was broken. And uh, no big deal, except it was annoying. And I went to my friend YouTube. And I said, YouTube, you seem to have an abundance of knowledge. Would you share it with me? I watched YouTube. And in somewhere around 37 seconds, without even being dressed, I fixed the door. <laughs> so we say, Brett. That's why I shared it. YouTube. I had texted Clay. Clay basically said, do this. I didn't believe Clay. What does Clay know? He just installed the door. Turns out Clay was exactly right. But I believe YouTube. What did Clay do? Clay could have deployed his business acumen and came to my house and done this little fix, and charged me, but instead he said, this is what you do, brother. And it was fixed. Don't always think in terms of finances. What skills, what knowledge, what compassion, what empathy, what time do you have to give the body of Christ? Whether they're provisions from God or the life of God, they shared what they had in common, seeing it was to God's glory to share what he had given to those that they had been given. Now, let me say that again. To share what he had given to those whom he had given. Do you ever think of the people around you in this local church as gifts of God to you? Gifts where you're meant to have joyful deployment of your knowledge and wisdom and resources and giftings. And the expectation of the, joy, the joyous deployment of theirs to you. Oh, East Rock, that we could get a vision for our future where we joyfully, it's hard, but where we joyfully made our needs 
known and joyfully helped or received help. Now, I ought to have a six-foot mirror up here for this one because I hate asking for help. I hate it. It galls me. Always has, always will. Well, this is very convicting. I'm glad to help. Don't want to ask for help. I don't mind asking you to do anything for Jesus. I don't want you doing anything for me. What a convicting passage this is. And how dynamic would our life be if we really shared it as a gift from God? More so if we shared with one another as gifts from God. Fourthly and lastly and quickly, in those early days, the people of God lived together, were faithful together. And guess what? Guess what? Can y'all guess? Grew together. Wow, how'd y'all know? It's amazing. Do you see it there in the scriptures in verses 46 and 47? That day by day, day by day, that, that means they were they're being faithful. Day by day. And look at one example of being faithful. Do y'all see this? I'm with two of them. Go, go back and look at verse 46 in your, in your Bibles. They attended temple together. <laughs> I think it's hard getting to church once a week. <laughs> they, they were living life together. Uh, and they were still going up to the Jewish temple. There was still the church system. Had, they had been brought out of Egypt overnight, but Egypt hadn't been brought out of them. They hadn't been Christianized. They were Christians. So they had to use what was there. They went to temple. And they were in one another's homes. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine being in one another's homes. Recently, somebody was telling me that they wanted people to come to their home. And this was one of the people in my life that I felt like I could be myself with. In other words, I'm terrible. So I said, you could start with inviting someone? What made this openness in the early church? It's the power of God. It's the presence of God. It was the work of God. It was the new life which became their new norm. No matter what it was, they shared it together. They lived together. They were faithful to the Lord together. They were happy together. They were, they were joyous together. They had generous hearts together. They praised God together. And what did this do that gave them favor with people? Should we be seen only as a community of faith who speaks about the things we don't agree with? Or could it be that we would be seen is a happy band of people doing life together. Which one is most attractive? And what did God do? Once he had a given new life, he had created for himself a new humanity, and they were established new communities within this new humanity. It was no problem for God to send people, add people to this group. Now, years and years ago, there was this debate raging in the Southern, oh, excuse me, the North Carolina Baptist State Convention. And I've, I don't know the last time I've missed a state convention meeting, and, and I can't say that I've stood up and talked at hardly any of them, but this was back in the late 90s. I stood up and went to the microphone and reported in, and 
there was this controversy, this big controversy about one of the universities was allowing some sinful practice. And I went to the microphone and said something, and everyone laughed. And the funny thing was, I wasn't trying to be funny. I didn't know what was so funny about what I said. But this is all I went to the microphone and said. They were trying to debate whether they would kick this school out or they would uh, stop giving uh, part of the North Carolina Baptist monies to this institution. And uh, someone kept, people kept talking about, well, we have this historical relationship, blah, blah, blah. This is all I said at the microphone. I said, it's a world of difference in inviting my crackhead brother to Thanksgiving dinner and leaving my children with my crackhead brother. And I walked away from the microphone. And people laughed. I, I, I was being serious. Do, do you see the difference in inviting him into my community versus me sending someone for him to be their community? How does God know he could trust East Rock Community Church with baby believers? If we're a proven, passionate community of people who genuinely and actually love God and care for each other. It's not going to be the cold issue of biology, you know, People can be terrible humans and, through biology, achieve a child. Am I right? Too many times in the church we're looking for some cold formula. God is looking for a great family with which to throw new children into. Whatever else we might do, if we have this sort of joyful family life, even if we do not grow by one other person, it will still be good for us. I would say this new life, by the working of the Holy Spirit, becomes the normal life. My challenge today would be to you to ask that question, is this my normal life? Am I devoted to the things of God, to the people of God? Am I committed to sharing life? And you can be like me. Maybe you struggle with a different aspect than I, than I do. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you say, I don't, even, I don't like getting people's help. Okay, well, that's where I'm confronted. Well, I let people share their life with me, their resources. I, I believe, East Rock, that the pathway for us, for our future, I believe it with all my heart is to take up this model from the early church. So my question today is sort of twofold. First, it's very simple. Do you have new life? Because if you have new life, then the normal life is being devoted to God. And if that's not the normal life, you might question whether you've got a new life. Do you have to be on one of these committees or something? That's not the point. I just want you guys to see that we're trying, we're working, we're laboring. That's not the point. Is the norm for you being devoted and committed to the things of God? And if it's not, why not? 
What hindrance has Satan put in your path? What need do you have that you haven't opened us to minister to you so that you could be free to serve him? Now, the Bible says the good news is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. What do we need to believe God about? We need to believe God that this Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that can make us right with the Father. The Bible says if we believe that in the core of our affections, in our hearts, and profess it with our mouths, We'll be adopted into his family and saved from the wrath of God. Do you know him today? Have you accepted the gift of this new life? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. I'll trust the Holy Ghost with the response. Father, thank you for this parade of servants. And surely, 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 Father, if we were to name every faithful mom and dad, every faithful brother and sister, every faithful employee, every faithful grandparent, every faithful neighbor, then absolutely every single one of us would have been paraded up front. This is a wonderful body of believers. And if we could experience this much, then surely we could experience more. Would you, Father, would you give us a vision for our future where we are devoted to the life of God? And Father, if there be any soul that is yet to know salvation through Jesus Christ and cause them to repent and believe. Turn from any other thing they trust and believe on Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen and amen.